Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. So welcome, everybody. I'm excited to be here in the studio today. I get to interview someone. This is one of my favorite things to do on my podcast. And my guest is from Ontario, Canada. How exciting is that? So Stephanie, introduce yourself to my listeners. Yeah. Hi, everybody. And thanks for having me today, Micah. You bet. So I have been a birth doula, postpartum doula, childbirth educator for 20 years now. I always say I was a doula before doula was cool to be. And uh, all the things in my life relate to babies and birth and all things parenting. So it's super fun to chat with you today. Good. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. I mean, we, um, Stephanie and I got connected uh, just recently and on our phone conversation, it was just amazing how many things we had in common. Um, I love that. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about um, the doula school, maybe your journey and getting there, starting that. And then, you know, she has several like things that branch off of the doula school. And so, yeah, fill us in. Yeah, exactly. So I think like a lot of people who started into birth work two decades ago, it was sort of by accident, right? Yeah. Not a lot of us. And it was, you know, now I see people all the time who say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in high school. Am I too young to be a doula? I've always wanted to be a doula. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's so mind blowing because yeah. when a lot of people who were early doulas just happened upon it, really, when you think about it, if we think about really what birth work has always historically been with our neighbors, sisters, friends, supporting, supporting each other. And, uh, and I think that's really how it all started for a lot of people who were early in the career. Right. Um, but then, but then we just knew there was a word for it. You know, we just knew that there was starting to lead towards a profession. And so I think like a lot of people, you know, I had my first birth experience was not exactly what I had hoped for with Mm. my second. I knew I wanted to do things differently, took Lamaze classes and that changed my life. I knew I wanted to become a Lamaze educator after that second birth experience and And so I thought, yeah, this is going to be my Sunday night hobby. So Sunday nights, a bunch of pregnant people would file into my basement and I would (laughs) teach private prenatal classes. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I worked in corporate during the day. So the first, my first five years doing birth work was, I was working full time. You know, a lot of people are probably sitting out there thinking, gosh, I would really love to do this, but I can't. I have a job. I'm like, you know what? I did too. And it, it can be done, right? It can be done. Um, and yeah. And so I just started getting asked to attend birth with the clients coming into my prenatal classes and just started doing that. I I think I did that for about a year and went, I think I'm doing this thing they call doula. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, a lot of doulas get started that way. They are childbirth educators first. And so they, they're yeah. passionate about that and, and wanting, um, pregnant people to be informed. And so then it yeah. just kind of 
snowballs from there because you you know so much. You are probably instilling so much confidence in these clients that you have that you're teaching. And they're like, wait, can you just come with me? You know, and so I think that that's awesome that that's how you got started and um, you've been doing doula work. Tell us a little bit more about how you have expanded from providing doula services to clients locally, how you've expanded from there. Yeah, so I think when I started to realize that I wanted to do this work full time, and actually, I to be honest, I actually complained about it for a couple of years. I had a really wonderful business coach that I was working with just as I grew my tiny little business. You know, it's really interesting mm-hmm. that I had all this big business experience, but it didn't it didn't translate yeah. to my small business. So true. And so I was working with this wonderful coach, and one day she just got sick of listening to me, and she <laughs> said, uh, you know, Stephanie. I've been hearing you say for two years now that you wish you could do this work full time. I think it's time for you to either just shut up about it and decide you're not giving up your corporate income and that's just the way it's going to be, but stop saying that you want something different Mm. or decide you're going to do the work full time and figure out what it takes to give up your corporate work. It's so good. And that was the slap in the face I needed. And I realized, yeah, she was right. I was a, Afraid to not make enough money mm-hmm. doing this work because the, the truth is it didn't pay enough back then. It didn't. Right. No. It didn't because of people like me who had had who had gotten into the work kind of by accident sure. and who had partners who made enough income for their family yeah. and who or who had jobs like I did, lucrative jobs that allowed me to offer the service mm-hmm. at ridiculously discounted fees yep. that were well below the true value of the work. And so I just decided for myself that I was going to give up my work. It was an 18 month plan that I made where I remortgaged my house and I tightened my belt. Yep. And I, and I dove in head first and I was super committed. One of the topics I was super committed uh, to bringing more awareness to was doulas being professional and doulas learning how to run a successful small business. Yeah. 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 And what I, Right. Yeah. We needed that at yeah. that time. And yeah. <clears throat> and it was interesting to, to see a lot of resistance mm-hmm. to that messaging at the beginning. Yeah. I can see a that. A lot of people wanted people. Yeah. You know, we all want people to have doulas without having to pay for it. For sure. That would be an amazing outcome. Well, but and most of us did point, start, like you said, most of us did start just yeah. serving maybe close friends or even family members that they know that we're in this kind of birth arena and they're like, Hey, will you come to my birth? So a lot of us started mm-hmm. by just supporting a loved one. Right. And so then to shift yeah. to this professional, now I'm going to charge kind of feels mm-hmm. like, wait, I thought I was just cooking a meal for a friend. You don't charge for that. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I think a lot of us started there and then like you said, seeing ourselves as professionals when a stranger is like, Hey, I need some help here. And you know, just the amount of time and hours and effort that you put into this work. Yeah, you're right. It was a tricky shift. Yeah, it was really interesting. And you know, and I can say for myself, I made very meager wages until I changed my, my own mindset around all of that. Exactly. My money mindset. Yeah. And, and then I just wanted to, I wanted to grow, you know, and help other people to achieve success and, uh, and to be able to fulfill their dream of being a, a doula full time. And so the business side really just became a, a passion of mine. And, but mm. I, what I realized was I thought people needed to learn 
how to run their own private practice. And what I realized over time was people actually, a lot of people didn't want to do the business side. Right. Oh, and totally. that's when I started, yeah, running my business as an agency. Mm-hmm. Before that, it had kind of been more like, I don't know if you want to call it sort of like a, like a collective and people just kind of supporting each other yeah. um, marketing wise. But yeah. I realized people didn't want to do that stuff. They wanted someone to do that for them. Mm. And so I became the first person I knew of that had a doula agency, which of course are very popular now, thankfully. Yes. yes. Uh, and I'm sure there were other people doing it at the time. I just didn't see them. I didn't know of them. <laughs> there weren't any in my province. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I fumbled through it. Got it. Yeah, I I, I want to kind of piggyback off something you said earlier and tie it into what we're saying now. I, if you, as listeners, I hope you caught what she said. I mean, Stephanie gave up a lot, uh, sacrificed quite a bit because she loved what she was doing. And I'm just going to tell you, as a doula who's been doing this for over 25 years, like Stephanie, you have got to love this line of work, y'all. If you don't love it, and are just excited about being woken up at 3 a.m. to go to a birth, you you don't even need to put your toe in the water because you are going to sacrifice a lot. You are going to give up a lot initially. It's a tough gig, and you really have to love serving other people. You need to be relational. So I don't know if you agree with me or not, Stephanie, but I'm going to tell you, don't even try this if you are not in love with the idea of this particular lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a J-O-B. I'm going to do this for money kind of mm-hmm. um, job. No, it's it's that you can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, you know? that's good. And and I'll say as someone who gets bored very, very quickly <laughs> with all things in life, <laughs> I've been doing this 20 years and that says a lot. Oh, you know, yeah. That says a lot, but I love it so much. And I have weathered some challenging times. You know, one mm-hmm. of the other topics I talk a lot about is vicarious trauma. In you know in birth work and yeah. it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. So um, when we were speaking, I think yesterday on the phone. Um, introducing ourselves for the first time. I mean, Stephanie and I are not, obviously she's in Canada and I'm in Texas. We are not like close friends, right? We don't know each other very well. And so when we were talking yesterday on the phone, uh, one of the things you brought up was this epidural shortage. And I'd like for you to speak to that a little bit because that is going to affect many, many, many of these listeners. Yeah. And that is such an interesting thing to be experiencing at, at this time in birth work. Where a lot of times, you know, my experience, and I'm sure that goes, it's the case for many, many doulas listening right now, birth workers listening right now, is your client says, gosh, I really, really hope I can avoid an epidural. I don't want it. And as Mm -hmm. soon as they step into the hospital, it becomes really challenging to avoid it when it's very easily accessible. Yes. So here we find ourselves where normally we're helping clients fight for not getting one and now we find ourselves in a situation where people who want them are having trouble getting them so interesting and I think it's a really you know important thing for us to highlight that although a lot of doulas and midwives and birth workers recognize how wonderful it can be to have an unmedicated birth for all of the hormonal reasons 
and the recovery reasons sure. and the, the only, you know, people achieving their goals and feeling empowered by the experience. Like all of that is wonderful, but I'm pretty sure we all recognize that some labors can be tough and long and that people can really benefit from having epidural as an available pain coping sure. option. Yeah. So all of a sudden, what's happening is the ink that gets printed on the epidural tube, there's a shortage of that ink. And of course, as we know that, yeah, ink ink, uh, is not something we want in in our bloodstream. And so it's very specialized kind of ink that goes, that prints onto these tubes. And so what there is a shortage of is the the tube, these tube kits, the epidural kits. Uh, and it's specifically that ink that sort of kind of comes back to that. There's not very many companies around the world who do it. And so there's currently a global shortage happening mm. of uh, basically of epidurals. Gracious. And people who hospitals have varying levels of stock available yeah. for them. Yeah. I think what we're seeing now is there's a lot of, well, first of all, I, you know, nourishing shortages all over the place. Yeah. Uh, people are, you know, labor and delivery wards are understaffed mm-hmm. and, and now all of a sudden, with the lack of epidural, it becomes a lot more challenging to be able to properly support yeah. uh, families and birthing people in the way that they need support when there isn't this to fall back on. Right. And so, you know, first of all, I want to say to any pregnant people listening who are maybe like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, what if, what if I need one? What if I want one? But, you know, the first thing is really just that there are a lot of different ways to cope in labor. Absolutely. And it's important to learn about all of those yes. ways. You know, there's so much interesting research on how pain works in our body. Mm-hmm. And I think just getting a basic understanding of how pain messages travel up our spine to our brain and that there's all different things we can do that actually block some of those pain messages from right, reaching our brain. Two so name two of those. Name two of those. Name two of those things. Yeah. So touch, heat, Mm. pressure, cold, you know, those are the main categories. Uh, When we put pressure and that's why we see a lot of doulas and we see pictures of doulas or stock photography or birth pictures and doulas are always touching, right? Why are doulas always touching? Because as soon as a doula is touching and putting pressure, it's actually uh, enacting that gate control theory. Or what was part of like that neuromatrix theory of pain where we're blocking some of those pain messages from reaching the brain. And all of a sudden what happens, right? You know, the, the laboring person says, oh yeah, do that harder, do that harder. Mm-hmm. Why? Because mm-hmm. that blocks some of those pain messages and the person feels better. That's and so if great. they feel better, then they're more calm. Mm-hmm. They cope better. If they're calm and they're coping better, labor is going to be shorter. So it's going to be easier to manage. Yes. Right. And it turns into all of those beautiful things that I think that's why doulas make a, such a huge difference mm-hmm. in length of labor, yeah. chance of medication, cesarean intervention is that we understand how to use coping techniques. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of my favorite things is when, you know, I get a labor and delivery nurse or one of the OBs who, you know, comes in and they're like, man, what you're doing for these women, you're, you're keeping them calm. They're not, your clients are not stressed. So then when it comes to now we're entering transition or now it's time to push, we don't have women that are falling apart and are just beside themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not hard. It is, but they're in, they're more in control and not as stressed. And that is a huge, huge benefit in birth. So I always love hearing from the caregivers in the hospital. They're like, wow, what y'all are doing matters. It's very satisfying. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we had a local hospital reach out to us to sit down and talk about what are some ways that doulas could support them through this epidural shortage. Mm. Because, you know, the, the staff is not in places where epidural is very readily accessible. Staff does, does not have a lot of experience in helping people cope with it. That's true. There's a lot of other things they are doing. And, <laughs> Their job description is lengthy, well, especially these labor and delivery nurses. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing is that those other things are their primary objective and their goal. And I think it's so unfair to add on. Great. Now you can do a double hip squeeze for 12 hours. Like, no, No, because they they have to be thinking about all of those other things. Right. right? We want these labor and delivery nurses to do their jobs well. Like, seriously, y'all. We want them to do their jobs well. And our job as doulas is totally different. And that's why, I mean, at least here locally with Waco Doula, that's why labor and delivery nurses are happy to see us because we're helping take a lot of the load off of them as some of them really would love to hang out and care for those patients a little bit more uh, intimately and relationally, but their job description doesn't allow them to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice to work together and for, mm-hmm. you know, when they can and want to, that they can come over and do those, you know, those hands-on skills. And then when they have to do other things, they know that you're there and that they can focus on those other things and not feel like they have to choose between supporting this person, you know, emotionally, physically, and the medical side of their role. So, right. yeah, right. it's really right. a, a challenging place, I think, for for hospital staff to be in right now where they're going to get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, definitely. And now a word from our sponsors. So we've kind of spoken a little bit to any of our listeners that might be expecting or would like to learn more in terms of birth. We talked about some pain points. Now let's shift briefly to the listeners that are, hey, I might want to be a doula or wow, I've been looking into this Mm -hmm. for years or hey, what is the next step? Why don't you jump in, maybe even talk a little bit more about your doula school or anything that you would want to say to either already existing doulas that want to do it better or are just getting started or have no idea what to do? Yeah. So there's some of the questions that we get asked the most often is, and that I see online posted constantly is how do I know what training to do? Yeah. And you know, when you and I start, when you and I became doulas, there were, I think when you became a doula, I think there were two. When I became a doula, I think there were four, you know, and so it wasn't, it wasn't like now where people look around, there are oh my hundreds. It's the crazy. last time I saw anyone count, they found over 200 doula training. Wow. So of course, someone's hearing about doulas. They think it sounds really cool. Yeah. They want to do that. Maybe they, they've had a couple of friends or family members ask them to, to join them at their birth yeah. and they've just realized how incredible this, this role is. And then they start looking online and they think, I have no idea right. how to know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so here's the thing. I always tell people when they call me or they email and they say, how do I know, you know, where to go? Well, first off, I'm going to be pretty biased on this one because I'm a trainer for Dona International. Right. So obviously I've spent 20 years working with this company. Yes. But I try instead is to ask people, well, what are your goals? Mm. What matters to you? Mm-hmm. What's going on in your community? Yeah. 
Does certification matter in your community? Mm. Does training matter in your community? Like, what are, what are, how do you see yourself in this role going forward? Yeah. Are you looking to support friends and family members? Are you looking to do this as a side hustle? Are you looking to do this full time? Will you primarily I, be I at home that. births or hospital births? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what was really interesting to see through the pandemic, of course, was entire hospital systems, entire areas, states say only certified doulas of these training organizations are allowed in this hospital right. as an additional support person. Right. And we started seeing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certification and the importance of training and all these things have been really contentious in the doula world over the last, you know, decade. Yeah. But I've I've always felt firmly that we were heading we're heading towards a direction where these things are going to matter more, yeah, not sure. less. For sure. For sure. And I know there were people who wanted to resist that idea and that notion, but the pandemic showed us quite clearly. And yep. now that we're starting to get a lot of coverage in many states through Medicaid, now mm-hmm. we're seeing that certification does matter. Oh, yeah. It's right? a Our must. affiliation, yeah. our training. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I think that people who want to do this as a full-time career, they need to consider um, what's going on in their community, what's important and what caregivers or, you know, hospital systems are looking for. And I'm not judging, you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, right? I'm not, I'm not making a statement on on whether that is right right or wrong for that to happen. I'm just saying it's happening. Yes. So if it's happening, then how do we want to navigate through that? Yeah. It actually doesn't matter what our opinion is or what we think about it. It's just Mm -hmm. reality. That's just, how all of this has gone down and and we're very fortunate. I mean, again, at least here in Waco, Texas, you know, both hospitals, you have one visitor, which tends to be a loved one, a spouse, or it is and um the second there's not a second visitor. The wording is very um, precise here. We are a second mm-hmm. support person that is a certified doula. So that's kind of where we stand right now here in Waco. I don't think that that is going to change. But what does change is if they will allow a second visitor or not. So like, do you want your mom there or your sister there or whatever? Uh, or a birth photographer. I mean, that's the part that's going to vacillate between, you know, your local area if there's some kind of, you know, uh, it goes up in numbers, the COVID cases or whatever, so that they may shift yeah. that. Um, so it, again, like, like what Stephanie said, we're not commenting on what's better or worse or what our opinion is. We're commenting on this is the reality in most places. But again, here we are. And so, mm-hmm. you know, does that matter to us as a doula? Maybe not. Maybe yes. Is it going to be in line with our target market? The people who are going to hire us, are they going to care about that? Do we need to revise our target market? Like there's just a lot of different things to consider around that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the questions we get asked the most. And, and again, so I'm going to, you know, not say who's better or worse or whatever. I think there's a lot of amazing trainings out there um, and people just need to think about those kinds of things. Yeah. The other question that I get a lot is, am I too young or too old to Mm. be a doula? Mm. (laughs) What would you say to someone? Me? What would I say? Mm -hmm. So for me, I would say it, it's not really about the number, the age. For me, it's more about experience. And so I think the older you are, the more experience you're probably going to have and just being exposed to the birth world. Um, so for me, it falls more in that category. And so I think that that does 
give the older person a leg up over the younger person. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. How about you? Yeah. And, and people, when they say, how can I be a doula after only three or four days of doing training? And I say, it's because what makes you a great doula is not that stuff that you just learned. Right. It's everything that you are before you even get there. Mm-hmm. Right. It's your life of experience. Yeah. And so depending on your age, you could be 20 and have two lifetimes of experience, you know, under yeah. your belt. Right. Uh, someone who's lived in three countries and who spent the last year, two years or three years traveling on their own or, yeah. you know, who's had all these different, you know, incredible life experiences uh, could be super mature and, and bring so much to their doula work. Yeah. And someone could be 40 years old and have lived a super, super sheltered life and be bringing something very different to their mm-hmm. doula career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think it's a, a great, I don't agree. I don't think it's a number so much as it is that wisdom. Yeah. And, and people always say, you know, when I, and, and ask people at the beginning of training, you know, tell me, finish this sentence, you know, uh, this class will be a success for me if, mm. this course will be a success for me if, like finish that sentence. And a lot of people say, if I leave feeling confident enough to yeah. embark on my new career. Right. And I always say to people, I can't give you confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, confidence comes from within. I can give you resources. I can give you inspiration and we can do some knowledge transfer and all these things. But confidence is such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And so I like to help people recognize everything that they bring to their doula work that has nothing to do with what they learn in their doula training, you know? Yeah, it's really good. and and the the confidence piece, you know, we can give tools to someone to help them gain confidence or to find their confidence, but there's always going to be you guys a little bit of risk involved when you're jumping off onto something new and doula work is no different. You've got to be willing to take that first step. You've got to be willing to go, okay, here I go. I mean, and then the more you do it, the more confidence you will gain. And so there's always a, to me, there's always a risk involved when you're starting something new. And, but that is to me, the only way you can get confidence. Yeah, exactly. And then people say, I say, well, what are you afraid of? You know, why are you afraid of, of just going out there and just doing the work, doing mm-hmm, the thing, mm-hmm. getting that first client? I said, what if I, what if I mess it up? what are you going to mess up what are you going to mess up doing the double hip squeeze improperly like oh well yeah right yeah we're not we're not there to care for people's medical the medical side of things there are other people there to do all of that you don't have any of that responsibility right that's what i love about doula work yeah i get to focus completely on the other side on that emotional spiritual side you know and if you're if you show up, if you really show up with mm. with vulnerability and that thing that makes you a good friend and a good, yeah. you know, sibling and a good human, you just show up with that. That, so good. that desire to care, to support other people that brought you to the work, you won't mess it up. Yeah, you won't mess it up. That's so good. And and when you say that about making the, the mistakes, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> about, you know, the hip squeezes or whatever it is, there's a whole chapter in my book called, Well, That's Embarrassing. And it's all about my mistakes, yeah. all about my blunders. And so it's okay. I mean, I literally called somebody. Okay, you ready for this, Stephanie? 
I literally called uh-huh. someone the wrong name through her entire birth. Can you, can oh you imagine? And at the very end, I'm like, congratulations, Sarah. And she goes, thanks. My name is Felicia. I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, I shouldn't get paid for this particular birth. I God. called her the wrong name the whole time. So listen, it doesn't <laughs> get worse than that, you guys. Okay. If you call her the right name, you've already, you're ahead of me. So don't sweat it. Don't sweat oh it. It's God. all going to be okay. Stephanie, this has been great. How can people find you? Uh, if they're interested in doula training, hello at doulaschool.ca or just the website doulaschool.ca to find us. And if they're interested in checking out the birth work that we're doing through our agencies in Toronto, they can find us at discoverbirth.com. Love it. So great. Thank you so, so much for being here. I've enjoyed every minute mm-hmm. of this. I'm happy to chat. Been fun. Hey, thanks for joining me on Game Day, Birds Not Balls. You can follow me on my Instagram page at MyDoulaMica. You can also find me on WacoDoula.com, WacoDoula is on Facebook. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.